our study of the life and the times of God's Old Testament prophet Elijah, and we're looking at the chief characteristic of his life, that which I believe God is looking for more than anything else if he is going to truly send revival among his people. And that is a commitment to absolute and unconditional obedience to him. Now, hopefully you remember that Elijah was a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel during the reign of King Ahab, probably the wickedest king to ever sit on the throne of Israel. Ahab and his wife, Jezebel, had led Israel away from the worship of Jehovah God and had led them down the pathway to the worship of the Canaanite god Baal. It was a desperately dark time in the nation spiritually. So God sent his man Elijah into Ahab's palace to pronounce judgment upon the king and upon the people. And in verse 1 of 1 Kings chapter 17, we see Elijah burst on the scene. This is the first movement of his life and ministry that we know of. And he comes into the palace of the king and he says, Ahab, because of your wickedness and the wickedness of this nation, there will be neither dew nor rain in the land except at my word. Now, that's how, that's how Elijah began his ministry. He sort of came out of nowhere to make this pronouncement of judgment. Now, two weeks ago, if you were here, we looked at the foundations of Elijah's life that enabled him to do this. I mean, Elijah didn't just suddenly come on the scene and decide this would be a good thing to do. He had laid some foundations in his life that enabled him to be obedient. I have those listed there for you by way of review. Number one, a dynamic personal walk with God. Number two, a deep and personal knowledge of the Word of God. And number three, a commitment to the practice of biblically-based prayer. You see, Elijah could go into Ahab's palace and he could obey God and he could pronounce judgment upon the nation because his life was built upon these foundations. Then last week we looked at verses 2 through 6 and we talked a little bit about the benefits of obedience. You see, the obedient Christian gets in on some marvelous things, some marvelous blessings from God that those who are disobedient do not get to experience. And again, I've listed those for you there by way of review. Number one, revelation, a, a word from God for your life when you need it. Number two, protection, God's intervention in my circumstances when I need that intervention. And number three, God's provision, his promise that he will meet my needs when my life is being lived in obedience to him. Well, I've shared with you already in these past two messages a couple of reasons why many Christians are not as obedient to God as he expects us to be. Why do we not give God 
the unconditional obedience that he requires, number one, and that he surely deserves, number two. Well, let me share three reasons. The first two I've already talked about. Number one, we said that some Christians don't obey God because they can't. They don't have those spiritual foundations built into their lives. I believe there are a lot of Christians around today who want to be obedient. They would like to do the things that God, they know God is calling them to do, but they can't because they don't have these spiritual foundations in their lives. They don't have a a deep and personal dynamic walk with God. They don't have a deep personal knowledge of the Word of God, and they're not committed to the practice of biblically-based prayer. And i got to tell you, my friends, if you don't have those things built into your life, you will never be able to be obedient, no matter how much you may want to be obedient. And then there was a second reason why many Christians do not give God unconditional obedience. This was last week. Not because they can't, but because they won't. And the reason why they won't is because they're afraid of where obedience might take them. There are a lot of Christians who are just simply afraid that if they obey God, if they really get serious about doing what God tells them to do, they're going to have to somehow give up too much. And so they don't understand the benefits of obedience that we talked about last week. And so it's not because they can't, they just won't. They're afraid. God, if I get serious with you, I'm going to have to give up something. I'm going to lose something that I don't want to lose. Well, this morning we're going to go a little deeper because you see there's a third reason. There's a third reason why many Christians do not give God the unconditional obedience that he demands and he deserves. And that is because our obedience sometimes when we do obey tends to only go up to a certain point. You see, many of us are glad to obey God in the easy things. We're glad to obey God when he asks us to do something. And oh yeah, that makes good sense to me. I can see where that would benefit me. But there's some of us who won't go beyond that. And that is because we are content with conditional obedience. We are content with conditional obedience. Now, what is conditional obedience? Conditional obedience is simply an obedience that we place conditions on. In other words, yes, God, I will obey you if it suits me. Yes, God, I will obey you if it serves me. Yes, God, I will obey you if I can see how this will turn out good for me. I'll obey you, God, if this doesn't mess up my plans. I'll obey you if this doesn't interfere with my agenda. You see, for many of us, there is a point out there somewhere, and it's, it's probably different for every one of us, but there is a point out there somewhere, and up to that point, many of us will obey God. But beyond that point, we are unwilling to obey God. And it is at that point that the power of God and the blessings of God are short-circuited in our lives, and we begin to live lives of disobedience before God. Because you see, conditional obedience is disobedience. Selective obedience 
is disobedience. Partial obedience is disobedience. Do you understand this morning that God expects us to be ready and willing to obey him with our whole heart all the time? Not half-heartedly some of the time, but with our whole heart all of the time. So let me give you a promise this morning, okay? This isn't my promise. This is God's promise. But here it is. I will never see the power of God at work in my life and in my circumstances in a radical way until I begin to give God radical obedience. I'll never see Him pour out his spirit and his power and his blessing on my life in the way that he wants to until I begin to give him absolute, unconditional obedience. I'm calling it radical obedience. I don't even really like to use that word. It's just New Testament obedience. But radical obedience is simply when we say to God, God, yes. Just, yes, whatever it is you ask me to do, whatever it is you want me to do, I'm telling you, God, I will do it. And we don't just say it, we mean it. We mean it and we do it. Now, this is what we see in the life of Elijah over and over and over again. This commitment to radical obedience, to do instantly exactly what God tells him to do. That's why, again, in verse 1 of 1 Kings chapter 17, he went into Ahab and he said, Ahab, heaven is closed. Now listen, that's some power, right? That's power at work. That's why in verses 2 through 6, Elijah obeyed God. He went to the Kareth Ravine, and he heard God's revelation. He he experienced God's protection, and he benefited from God's provision, okay? Up to this point, obeying God was working out really sweet for old Elijah. But Elijah's obedience is now about to be challenged. And it was going to be challenged in a couple of ways. The same ways that your obedience and my obedience will be challenged because God wants to know something this morning. And here's what he wants to know. And I just want you to pretend that you hear God asking this question of you this morning because he is. God wants to know, will you obey me Only when obedience is easy or will you obey me when obedience is hard, when it is difficult, when it is costly, when maybe it is something you really don't want to do? Will you only give me conditional obedience, selective obedience, partial obedience, easy obedience? Or will your obedience to me be absolute and unconditional? 
That's what God wants to know this morning. So let's look at the first challenge of obedience. And the first question is this. Will I still obey God when my obedience is not rewarded? Will I still obey God when my obedience is not rewarded? Now, if you've been following along in this series of Life of Elijah, you know that up to this point, Elijah was getting all of the benefits of obedience. He was experiencing God's power. He had said the heavens are closed and the heavens were closed. He experienced that. He was seeing God's miracles. He went to the Kareth Ravine and the birds were bringing him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening and he was drinking from the brook. I mean, life was good walking with the Lord. But then we come to verse 7. Look at it with me. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Now, can you imagine? This is Elijah's brook, and it dried up. Here, Elijah had done everything God had told him to do. He had prayed that it would not rain, and it did not rain. But now, not only had it stopped raining, it had stopped raining in Elijah's brook. Before, yes, there'd been a drought and a famine, but Elijah hadn't been suffering from it. The ravens were bringing him food. The brook was giving him water. But all of a sudden now, Elijah began to have the same struggles and the same problems that everybody else around him was having. Obeying God didn't seem to be working out so well anymore. So this is the question. Will I still obey God when I'm not seeing the benefits? When my obedience is not rewarded? When things all around me seem to be drying up, will I still hang in there with God? That's the question. When my security, sense of security seems to be drying up. When my money seems to be drying up. When my group of friends seems to be drying up. When everything I thought my life would look like starts drying up, Am I still going to obey God? You see, it is easy to obey God. Talk about how good God is, how wonderful God is when He's blessing you, when your needs are being met, when the birds have been coming every morning and evening and the brook's bubbling up around you. But when your brook dries up, when the ravens fly away, that's the question. Will you still be seeking God? Will you still be following hard after Christ? When you've tried to do what 
God asks you to do, but he takes back everything that he's blessed you with. When life gets hard, when it gets difficult, and you're struggling, and you're questioning, or you're hurting, will you still be committed to obedience? You see, that is the question. That's the challenge. Elijah could have said, you know, Lord, uh, this is more than I bargained for here. I didn't count on my brook drying up. I didn't think obeying you would cause me problems. So I need you to take care of this situation, Lord, or you know, I'm just going to check out on you. That's what a lot of us do. God, I've been trying to live for you, but it's not working out here. I thought if I, if I obeyed you, everything would work out great. But now I'm dealing with this problem. I'm struggling with this situation. I'm living... God with this hurt, and I just can't do what you're asking me to do anymore until you give me some relief. So we back out on God. What did Elijah do? Look at verse 8 here. After after the brook dried up in verse 7, verse 8 says, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. Notice verse 9, God says go. Verse 10, Elijah went. Immediate, unconditional obedience. You say, well, big deal. I mean, his brook had dried up. God told him to go to Zarephath. He went to Zarephath. No, no. You need to understand something. Let Let me share with you a couple of reasons why Elijah should have never gone to Zarephath, logically speaking. A couple of reasons. Number one, it was a bad place. Look look at where Zarephath was. Do you see that? Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon. Do you know who came from Sidon? Jezebel. That's what 1 Kings 16.31 tells us. It tells us that Jezebel, Ahab's wife, was the daughter of the king of the Sidonians. So Zarephath was in the very heart of enemy territory. God said to Elijah, I want you to leave Israel where at least the people know you're a prophet of God. And I want you to go to the Sidonian Empire where everybody's going to be against you. Who would want to do that? And yet this is exactly what God tells Elijah to do. He was sending him to a bad place. Have you ever been afraid that your obedience to God might send you to a bad place? God, if I do this, my life's going to be terrible. I'm going to lose this. I'm going to miss out on that. If I obey God and do what you're telling me to do, my life's going to be a struggle because this is not what I want to do. It was a bad place. But there was a second reason why Elijah should not have gone to Zarephath, logically speaking. God was sending him to the wrong person. He was sending Elijah to the wrong person. He said, Elijah, when you get to Zarephath, 
I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. I'm going to send a widow to you and she'll take care of you. She'll feed you. Now I want you to remember, this was a time of famine. This was a time of drought. Nobody had much food or water. And a widow would have the least of anybody. She would, she would be the most destitute of the destitute. So this really doesn't make any sense. And that brings me to the second challenge of obedience this morning. Not only will I still obey God when my obedience is not rewarded, but will I still obey God when my obedience does not seem logical or preferable? That's what God wants to know. Not just, hey, when I don't reward you, when I don't give you the benefits, are you still going to obey me? God wants to know, are you going to obey me when what I'm asking you to do makes absolutely no logical sense? When he tells you to go somewhere or do something and you cannot see any logical reason for it, when it seems to contradict common sense and prudence, when it's something you don't want to do, will you still do it? That's the challenge. I told you this is, this is deep stuff, but, but this is where the power of God is released. So I want you to stick with me here. Elijah had obeyed God. His brook had dried up. So his obedience was no longer being rewarded, but he was still hanging in there with God. So God says, go to Zarephath. He goes to Zarephath. And look at verse 10. Sure enough, he runs right into this widow at the town gate. It says she was gathering some sticks, probably to build a fire. And so Elijah says to her, he says, will you bring me some water in a jar so that I could have a drink? So she leaves and she goes to get some water. And as she's going, Elijah calls out to her again and says, oh, and by the way, how about bring me a piece of bread to go with this? Now, this is very, very interesting to me. God had said to Elijah, I am going to command a widow to feed you. This is the same thing God had said to Elijah when he sent him to the Kareth Ravine. I have commanded the ravens to feed you. And the ravens brought bread and meat in the morning, bread and meat in the evening, right on schedule. So, I, I would sort of have expected this woman to say, okay, here's this prophet of God that God told me to feed, and I would just sort of expect her to be ready to feed him. But look at what she says in verse 12 here. Basically, when Elijah says, how about bringing me a piece of bread? Basically, she says, I just hold on a minute there, Jack. I ain't got no bread. That's what she says, right? As surely as the Lord your God lives, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. 
I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. This woman was staring death in the face. Staring death in the face. She was down to her last meal, and she didn't want to hear anything about feeding the preacher. But look at what Elijah says to her in verse 13. I love this. Don't be afraid. Go home. Do as you've said. But first, make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and for your son. Now, isn't that just like a preacher, right? You've got to feed the preacher first. <laughs> Make me some bread first. Bring it to me. Then you can worry about yourself. That's, I, does that sound a little insensitive to you? I mean, this lady's using her last energy so that she can build her last fire, cook her last meal, breathe her last breath, and Elijah's wanting to be served. But watch this promise. Verse 14. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. Elijah said, lady, listen, if you'll do this, you won't have to worry about food anymore. I know this doesn't seem logical to you. But if you do what I'm telling you to do, lady, you're going to be okay. It might not look like it. It might not feel like it. It might not make a lot of sense as you're looking at things right now. But if you will do this, God will take care of you. You see, this woman had two choices before her. And they're the same two choices you and I have. When something God tells us to do doesn't seem to be logical or preferable. When it doesn't seem to make good sense. When it doesn't look like it's really going to work out for your good. When it looks like something you really don't want to do. We've got two choices. Number one, we can argue for the immediate. Because it seems more logical at the moment. That's, that's what this widow could have done. She could have said, sorry, preacher. Listen, this is all I've got. It's just enough for me and my son. It's our last meal. I don't have enough to feed you, so forget it, preacher. That, that, that's one choice she could have made. Same choice we can make. Or number two, we can trust God for the long term even though what he's telling us to do may seem to contradict logic at the moment. This widow could have said, okay, God, you say, or Elijah, you say if I do it this way, then God's going to take care of me long term? Is that what you're telling me? You see, Elijah wasn't being insensitive when he asked this woman to feed him first, when she barely had enough for herself and her son. He was doing the same thing to this widow that God had done to him. He was seeing how far this woman was willing to go in her obedience to God. 
You see, here's the big question that every one of us here in this auditorium this morning must come to terms with and must answer. Do I trust God's Word? Do I believe that God will do what He says He will do? Is His Word true? You believed His Word was true for your salvation, right? Didn't you? Do you believe it's true for every other area of your life? Do you believe Jeremiah 7.23? I put that verse down here. What an incredible verse. God says, obey me, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. Do all that I command so that good things will happen to you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that if you obey God, good things will happen? That's what his word says. Do you believe it's true or are you going to hedge your bets? Are you going to determine what you're going to do and what you're not going to do because you think you know what's best when God says, if you'll obey me, good things will happen to you. Even when what I ask you to do doesn't get immediate reward, even when what I ask you to do doesn't seem logical or preferable at the moment, will, I do, will you do what I ask you to do? Do you believe that my word is true? This woman believed that God's word was true. Verses 15 and 16, so she went away. And she did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family, not just her son, her family, for the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Now, guess what? If this woman had rejected the word of the Lord, if she had not done what God had told her to do through Elijah, she would have had enough food for one day. But it was a logical one day, right? It was a logical one day. It was all she had left. But when she obeyed the word of of the Lord, no matter how illogical, no matter how impractical it seemed, when she obeyed the word of the Lord, she had an inexhaustible supply. You know, when my kids were little, they always obeyed me. When I told them, that what I wanted them to do was something they wanted to do. Hey kids, let's go get ice cream. Immediate obedience. Kids go jump in the car, we're going to McDonald's. Bing, zoom. Immediate obedience. Go clean up your room. <laughs> I had to say that a hundred times. Why? Because that's not what they wanted 
to obey. That's not what they liked to obey. And guess what? God's children are just like my children. Just like your children. God's children like it when he tells us to do something and we can see the benefit in it. But when he says, go to a brook, go to a widow. Let go of what you have and give it to me, even though you don't have a lot. Then we say, well, God, that's, that's not logical, God. That's not preferable, God. You, you couldn't mean that. And we don't obey God. And our jar of flour gets used up. And our jug of oil runs dry. And we never see the miracles of God in our lives. And we never experience the power of God in our lives. And we never see heaven-sent revival fall upon us because we've been content with conditional obedience. God, I will obey you up to a point. Up to this point, I am glad to do whatever you ask me to do. But beyond this point, God, no. (laughs) If I don't see the rewards, if it doesn't seem logical, if it doesn't seem preferable, then God, I'll opt out on that. And we miss out on so much that God would do in our lives, in our church, in our community, in our nation and among the nations. It is absolute, unconditional obedience to God that releases the power and the presence of God to go to work in your life and in my life. Will you give it to Him today? Whatever it is He's asking you to do, when you make the commitment today, yes, Lord, I'll do it. And I mean it. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this time. We thank You for Your Word. And now we need to allow the standard of Your Word and the searchlight of your Holy Spirit to reveal to us where we stand in this important, critical matter of obedience. Maybe there's some of us here today, God, that we really want to obey you, because, but we can't. Because we know we don't have that dynamic personal relationship with you that energizes us and makes you the most important thing in our lives so that we pursue your will above all else. We don't have a deep personal knowledge of your word. We don't even know what it is your word tells us we ought to do. So, So we can't obey you. We're not committed to the practice of biblically-based prayer. We don't know how to take your word and bring it into our prayer lives and say, God, you take what your word says and make it happen in my life now. So we can't obey you because we don't have those foundations. Some of us won't obey you because we're afraid. Afraid of what we'll have to give up. Afraid of what we'll have to lose. Forfeit. We don't understand the benefits that you give to those who sell out to you 100%.
But God, this morning for many of us, the point may well be just exactly what we've looked at this morning. Conditional, partial, selective obedience. Obedience up to a point. Obedience when it's easy. Obedience when it's comfortable. Obedience when it's preferable. So yeah, we come to church. Yeah, we read our Bibles. Yeah, we try to live basically good lives, be good citizens, be good people. Because that's good. It benefits us. We, we enjoy that. It means something to us. We can see the value in it. But costly, sacrificial, illogical, impossible things? No, God, I think I'll pass on that. When our brook dries up, when you send us into those difficult places, we check out. And so we miss out. God, today would you bring us to a point of absolute surrender, unconditional obedience to you so that you can do everything you want to do in us, with us, through us, for your glory, for our good. It's the prayer that we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to join me in standing. We're going to sing a very familiar hymn this morning. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. And when you decide to follow Him, you decide to obey Him. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. So if you sing this, uh, I pray you'll mean it with your heart. These altars are open if you want to come and Kneel here and seek the Lord's presence. If I can pray with you, I'd be honored to do that. I have decided to follow Jesus as we sing. You come.